Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. This week we're going to be talking about Isle of Dogs, or if you're a little bit more discerning, I Love Dogs, and I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley, and that might summarize my whole problem with the film. Not a dog person. That's going to make it tough. Before we get into the I Love Dogs, let's give a genre pick for stop motion animation. For me, um, I'm going to go with Robot Chicken. It's a no. TV show on <laughs> Cartoon Network, but they have made some parody movies around Star Wars. And I like the sort of skit, sketch comedy use of stop motion with toys. And I think the humor is pretty funny. It was uh, coming on right when I was in starting college and feel like it was really popular in my dorm. I've never heard of it. Say the name again. Robot Chicken. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like something someone did in their dorm room. (laughs) Uh, Seth Green is one of the creators. You should check it out. I don't know him. Okay, cool. Uh, I thought long and hard about stop motion animation, and the only one that I can think of was the Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I didn't particularly like that one. I remember uh, watching that for I, for a birthday party in grad school uh, in Chicago. I made everyone watch the SEC championship game, and then we went to a Moroccan restaurant, and then we went to Fantastic Mr. Fox. And that was one of the best birthdays I've ever had. That seems like a pretty good birthday. Nice. But I don't remember. But I don't remember much about the movie. Uh, it's just like a Wes Anderson movie, except furry creatures instead of people. <laughs> well, apparently that's the that's also there's there's no except needed there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's too many of that kind of stop-motion animation. I think Kubo and the Two Strings recently came out, and the Wallace and Gromit creator did that movie Early Man about soccer, and that's all clay stop-motion. Yeah, I just never I never watched that stuff. I wanted to, say, I wanted to watch Annalise, I think it's called, I by... Uh, it's... Um, it's by Charlie Kaufman, uh, the guy that wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And it's, uh, I think it is stop motion. Or if it's not stop motion, it's a cartoon. And it's on my list, it's on my list to watch soon. Okay, cool. Well, let's jump into Isle of Dogs. And we'll start out giving sort of our general thoughts and feelings about the movie. I had some... <laughs> I guess it was hard to get into it for me to have so much of it be in Japanese initially and then not ever showing the subtitles of what they were saying. I mean, I think they did a good job of being expressive enough or giving context clues to know what was going on, but it sort of took it took me out of the, you know, flow of the movie to not really know what what was being said. That's cuz Wes Anderson doesn't care about you, Reed. He does not he does not care if you understand what's going on. That's fine. I also think that, giving the disclaimer at the beginning that they weren't going to show any subtitles was a little 
a little cheap. Did they say that? Didn't they say that they were going to have subtitles, but also translations by foreign exchange students and junior something? And dogs. It was like... Oh, and dogs. Yeah. It's, it's, I truly, I think it's a sign of his hubris. He thinks that the story is so interesting that he doesn't need to translate it. Uh, Remy didn't see this with me, but, you know, it is half Japanese, and I wish I could have watched it with her or with any Japanese speaker and had them actually translate what is being said to see if it does make sense in context or if it's, you know, sort of right and mostly gibberish when they're talking in Japanese. Yeah, he had real Japanese actors uh, in the Japanese parts, so I assume a real Japanese actor wouldn't say gibberish, probably. That's a good point. Yeah. What else did you think about this movie? Uh, I just don't understand why so many people like Wes Anderson. I find it so slow, so unfunny, and... And so, like, yeah, self-involved, self-absorbed, I guess is what I'd say. It thinks it's way more interesting and funnier than it is. And it thinks by doing deadpan, um, deadpan commentary, that's sort of meta-commentary sometimes, it thinks that that's going to be really so clever or cute. Or funny. I don't know which one of those three it thinks it is, but maybe all three. And it's not It's not any of them for me. Okay. If you had to say what, what your favorite Wes Anderson movie, what would you say it is? Hmm. I think for me it's the, Royal, <laughs> it's the Royal Tenenbaums and then Moonrise Kingdom and then a pretty steep drop off. I, I find them all problematic in the same way. Just, like, did you laugh out loud during this movie? Do you remember? No, I don't think things are funny that way. Things are funny in sort of a clever way. Like, I... No, give me an example. Uh, I, like, when he revealed the tooth that was, like, a bullet. I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, I... Okay, I don't want to... I don't want to say that's not funny if you thought it was funny. I... I would say did not. I just sat, I just remember saying through it and being like, "Ugh, is this gonna like get going eventually, or is it always gonna be like this?" I don't know. I wanted to leave in the middle of it. I know. I, do you find his sort of visual style interesting? You know, uh, square framing, following things, progressing. Like, on a track, his shots don't often feel handheld. Do you like that sort of directing he does, his visual style? Uh, I mean, it's fine. I don't I don't have anything against it. It's definitely not the way I would make a film, or it's not my own personal aesthetic. I'm much more into naturalism and, or realism, maybe, you'd say. And uh, I, <laughs> he, gets, he gets a lot of credit for it, and it is a lot of work to do that, but it... it uh, sort of again feels like he's so sure that he can create this world that he controls that's going to be so amazing. It feels it just feels like a lot of control, a desire for a lot of control from him. Okay, well, let's talk more specifically about some of the voice acting and people getting involved. I mean, I know the big draw in the trailer for this movie was all the different voices that are involved. 
why do you think so many actors want to do these sort of voice parts or work with Wes Anderson in these movies? Because he pays them money. Don't you think they could make money from other projects? I, I feel like they must have a draw to his style or feel like he has a creative voice that's unique. They like being a part of it. Yeah, people people like him. I think that's true. I mean, he's had this group of actors that have worked with him consistently over time. So um, it also is a super small commitment, I would imagine, to do one of those parts. Like, I thought Harvey Keitel was really good. And I thought Frances McDormand, I liked her a lot in it. And those parts are both, you know, very small. I bet they did it in a day. Yeah. And even the main characters, I feel like there were enough kind of different storylines. They didn't have a lot of, there was not a lot of dialogue for the dogs or for the foreign exchange student. Yeah. (laughs) Did you like, who did you like? Which voices? That's tough. I... I liked Edward Norton. I thought he did a good job as one of the the dogs. I don't know if anyone else really stood out to me. I mean, I just like Scarlett Johansson. So, in general, I could listen. You could listen to her say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she did good. I mean, it was fun to try to throughout the movie try to pick out who the voice actor was, and that's what I, I mean. That's what I looked up after the movie. I was like, okay, who did each person play? to see if I was right as I was watching it, as I was trying to call out who did what part. Yeah. Did you guess them all right? Uh, not all of them, but I feel like the main people or like the famous actors. I feel like I did get those correct. The famous American actors, we should say. Uh, no, I went four for four with Japanese actors. No, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) That is not true. That's correct. You're, You're woke, but you're not that woke. I'm not up on my Japanese cinema right now. If it's not Ken Watanabe, I'm in trouble. <laughs> exactly. I got Greta Gerwig, uh, and I think, I mean, I thought she did okay. I thought her character was kind of annoying and sort of a weird, I mean, there's obviously a lot of issues around this film of cultural appropriation, and it's just weird to have a young American girl be so important in the story and in the rebellion and then in the government after it's done. It was, it was a little odd. It, this story is so sort of fantastical though, that I didn't have any of those cultural appropriation concerns or I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're not as woke as I thought. <laughs> I mean, I would say Wes Anderson has a pretty great appreciation for Japanese culture like I, this movie seemed more like a like a love note to that and the dogs. <laughs> Japan, Japan and dogs, uh, both are loved by Wes Anderson. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I also think it was wrong to do, but I, uh, yeah, just kind of weird. But choosing Japan as a setting wasn't necessary for the story, right? That's the other. It wasn't nec- It wasn't necessary for the pun. Yeah. Could have called it Isle of Japan, Isle of Dogs. <laughs> the Isle of Japan. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that works. That he work. didn't do that though, did he? So he obviously loves dogs more than Japanese culture. Yeah. Yeah, he could have set it off the coast of California. I mean. But I think 
sending it in Japan lets them do all that stuff with not having to have non-core story characters speaking their lines, you know, in a mostly understandable language. Well, you could do one of those things where the where the cartoon characters like. I think you have to pay Charlie Brown a royalty if you do that. <laughs> it would be worth it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any other thoughts, likes, dislikes on this movie? Uh, I like the drumming and the percussion. Yeah, I thought that scene was great. The scene where the guy makes the sushi with the poison was just so kind of intricate. And, you know, I, I thought the movie was pretty in these different aspects. I think he does have a pretty good understanding of that stop motion style to be able to do this. Yeah. I mean, I think he used a studio in London, right? That he, he piggybacked off their expertise. It's not like his expertise. Yeah. But he had to make some of the choices. Like I thought the dog fights were always pretty funny where it would start and then it'd just be sort of a cloud and you'd see things. I don't know. I thought that was mm-hmm. that was good. Mm-hmm. That was funny. Yeah, visually it was interesting. It was beautiful. I don't. Yeah, I feel like it's just a weird mix of like American design with Japanese prints. I feel like he could have gone out all out and had more Japanese style prints or textures. Like I was walking in the subway tonight uh, in New York City and. There were posters for the Isle of Dogs on the wall, and they had, they have these um, graphic design prints behind the characters, behind the dogs, that are not particularly Japanese. They look just kind of modern, kind of hipstery American. Hmm. It's it's just I mean I what I'm guessing what I'm saying is he didn't full on go Japanese. It's very much a Wes Anderson combination of things. Yeah, I see that, where it's like, it just was like Japan was used, but didn't need to be there. So why do you think he did Japan? Yeah, maybe he either is a Japanophile, or thought it would be a challenge to do that, and wanted to make it a little bit harder for himself. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the story's too simple if it's just set off uh, off the coast of California. Yeah. I don't know. All right, let's do our rankings for this movie. Uh, out of five, I would I'm gonna give Isle of Dogs a three. I think mm-hmm. for the style, design, and you know interaction of the the characters and the voice actors, yeah, three out of five for me. I'm gonna give it a one because I wanted to leave so bad. If you had <laughs> I thought seen, it was, if you had seen it, it alone, the... would you have left? <laughs> I think so. I, I actually would have stayed just to be able to do this podcast. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's been on. This is a this is greatest showman level for me. So bad. <laughs> yeah, so many people love it. Yeah, I've got to be careful with uh, people around here. If I talk about my opinion of greatest showman, it's a real controversy. Yeah. Moms and young kids love it. Our brother Laren loves it. 
No, Laren doesn't. His kids do, but he does? I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> His kids love it. I know they went to it in the theater several times. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Rachel, if you're listening, we like you. All right, before we wrap up, let's do a recommendation around another piece of pop culture, something you've been watching, reading, listening to that you want to share. I'll start. I did. I watched all of Altered Carbon in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it's great. I've also been taking a class on genre comedy writing and genres. And so it was fun to think about how uh, Altered Carbon, it's this awesome transplanting of the noir and the detective thriller into the future and with sci-fi and has a lot of the tropes from from both genres uh and i like the main actor he he grew on me at first i seen, i thought i i don't know what he i don't know his name and i don't know other stuff he's been in but um he was i thought he was pretty consistent and pretty uh kind of like had a little bit of a not taking himself too seriously edge to him nice and that's on amazon a series they put out yeah cool uh, for me this week, I'm going to recommend a book by Don Winslow, The Cartel, about one DEA agent's like 10-year interaction with drug cartels in Mexico and the different people he works with, and it shows the story from his perspective and one of the um, drug cartel leaders' perspectives. And then jumps around to a couple of different characters. It's a, you know, I thought pretty fascinating introduction or story about what that life is like in a cartel and the corruption that goes on around that. Hmm, cool. That sounds really good. You're getting ready for Sicario too. That's right. It was my warm up. I had to be ready. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> Redemption after Wind River. You mean continuing his hot streak? <laughs> we'll see. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. Let's hope the Cavaliers lo- lose soon. Stop it. <laughs>